the gospel according to John, sixth chapter. Twenty-fourth verse. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts and a letter to the Romans. Nobody else had to learn that song? Okay. I had to learn it either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I didn't learn the song until I got to seminary. So, Starting with the 24th verse. And the word of God reads as follows. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got in the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, very truly, I say to you, you, very truly, I say to you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which is the son of man will give you. For it is on him and the God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, what sign are you going to give us so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it was written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it was my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, which is that which comes down from heaven, gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Jesus, the bread of heaven. I like bread. I like bread a lot. I uh, like bread so much, I judge a restaurant based on the quality of bread they offer. Uh, I, I'm a quick thinker. I like to think very fast. I like to make decisions way before I act. I play chess. I think three or four moves ahead. And I say that to say that when I'm hungry, if we get to the point that I said I'm hungry, it's too late. I already want to eat. Uh, One of my pet peeves is when I go to a fast food restaurant and the person in front of me does not know what they want. (laughs) So they're sitting there looking at the menu. Well, give me the uh, the uh, the uh, hmm. That aggravates me to no end. I'm working on it, but, you know, I'm still working on it. And uh, when I go to a restaurant or even a fast food restaurant, I know before I get in my car to go to the restaurant 
that I want a number three large size, no onions, with a high C orange, no ice. I know that before I went there. I know I'm going to get a filet of fish. I've thought about that. I say, hmm, I am hungry. I want a filet of fish. I'm going to McDonald's. And so I go. And so I say that to say that since I have that kind of impatience when it comes to food, when I'm at a restaurant and the food is not there yet, I'm going to eat the bread. <laughs> I can tell you that I like going to Saltcrest Steakhouse because I like the Shinerbach bread. I can tell you I am a fan of Cheddar's, bless his name, for the honey dipped croissants. I know this. I'm, I'm reminded of uh, there's a TV show I watch from time to time called The Boondocks, and it's three characters in there. There's Huey, and there's Riley, and there's their parental figure, Granddad, who watches them. And there was one episode where Granddad had gotten a new girlfriend, <laughs> and uh, Riley, the grandson, was mad at Granddad because Granddad was taking his new girlfriend to Red Lobster, and they have the cheddar biscuits at Red Lobster. <laughs> And it was like, granddad, the fam doesn't even get cheddar biscuits. And you out here taking this lady you just met to get, we don't get cheddar biscuits. And uh, so I, I think about that, but not necessarily here to just talk about the bread that you eat. Uh, we're here to talk about Jesus, the bread of heaven. And I like the imagery. It, it speaks to me because of my relationship with bread. <laughs> we join the son of God in the fourth gospel. And he has just fed the 5,000 or well, the multitude, it was 5,000 men, but it was even that much more women and children on the two fishes and the five loaves of bread. And he's also walked on water just now. And he's taking some time to get a respite, a relaxation, a break. If even Jesus took vacations, I can't really bring it into myself to see people working way too hard. You, you need to rest sometimes, but that that's another sermon, but he's off resting and the multitude has gone and found him. Yeah. And I, I like that. They, 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 uh, <laughs> they went to find him. Cause I, I imagine, uh, going a couple places you, uh, have to, when you're not the one driving or there's somebody else in control, you want to keep your eye on them. Uh, I was away in Fort Worth for the last couple uh, for the last week. Uh, and I remember there were some places we went where I got a ride. I didn't drive myself. And so I always kept my eye on the person who was driving. And I'm not I'm not trying to get left anywhere in Fort Worth. So I made sure of that. And they kept their eye on Jesus, wherever Jesus was going. Where's Jesus going? OK, I'm gonna find him. And they followed him all the way to Capernaum and. He said when they found him, y'all didn't find me because of the signs I performed. Y'all found me because I did. Y'all got your fill of the loaves. And I had to laugh because I thought about that in our own personal relationships. If there's somebody that is willing to uh, pick up the tab a little more often when you go out to eat, you're more inclined to go out to eat with that person. <laughs> That's just... <laughs> And if there's somebody that you know don't never pick up the tab, say you want to go to Sawgrass? Oh no! Um, see, I got to go home, and uh, 
I left the stove on. So, yeah, we're not we're not going out to eat. today. It happens. And, and Jesus was real in, 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 in uh, pointing that out to them. And I think sometimes we can get like that in our worship. I've often heard people say, you know, we spend a lot of time reaching for God's hand when we should be trying to reach for his face. He said they didn't look at the signs that was performed as God was able to take two fish and five loaves of bread and feed a multitude of people and say, hey, that person must know what they're talking about when they talk about God because they have the power to do this. No, they was like, whoa, I ate really good last night. And uh, I would like to eat really good again. Where he at? And we can get like that sometimes in and worshiping of what God has done instead of what God is. He's he's God all by himself. He's the everlasting, the everlasting, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. It's not just the person you come to when you need something. I'm not against praying when you have more month than money. But if that's the only time you pray. That may need be something to think about. I'm not against praying for help on a test that you may not have studied for. But if that's the only time you pray, I'm not against praying. But if the only time you pray is when you bless your food, we ought to spend some time talking to Jesus, talking with our Lord and Savior just for who he is. God, I worship you. God, I adore you. Worship is it literally comes from a term that means worth ship, worth ship. You worship based on how much God is worth to you. Tell him what he means to you. And I see that he called him out like that. And and that that caused me to think is how often do I pray? How often do I study the scripture? Do I only study the scripture to do a sermon? Do I only read scripture when I come to church? Am I only thinking about how good God is for an hour to an hour and a half on Sunday? What is he worth to you? Not to have a gimme, gimme, gimme mentality. We must move from that and move on to a right relationship with God. And so he tells them that, and then they say, well, what do we do for this bread? And they are reminded of a time in Exodus 16 with Moses, and they had just removed themselves from slavery. And at the time, they had a couple days into it, they had run out of food. And so some of them got to bickering and complaining. If we were still in Egypt, we could still be eating. If we could still if we were still in Egypt, we would have had our share. But if you were still in Egypt, you would have still been a slave. (laughs) Adversity sometimes can test who you really are, but it also makes you forget about things. And I personally would rather be hungry and free than fed and a slave. That's just me. But they had gotten to complaining and they were walking around and there was a pillar of cloud by day that they followed in a pillar of fire by night. And then God began to feed them. He gave them manna. 
from heaven and they it only lasted a day, but it fed them. And they told them not to. The only time they were allowed to save this manna was on Saturday or not Saturday, but before the Sabbath, rather, so that they would not have to go get new food for the Sabbath. They got two days the day before the Sabbath to get the manna. And that would last them. But if you kept it more than a day and some folks tried, but the scripture says that they got filled with worms and it spoiled and it was no good. So but that was they had to go to God daily to get what they needed. Give us this day our daily bread. You had to go to God every day, not just I'm going to go grab me a week's worth today and then I'll be back next week. No, they went to they went to. God daily to get what they needed from him. And we should do likewise. Go to God daily to get what we need from him and not just try to stock up. It works out a lot better that way if you keep a constant right relationship with God. And so they got to talking about food and working. And he said that, you know, you don't work for the food that perishes. But you work for the food that endures eternal life. And we've we've moved from food to working for Jesus. The only thing you'll do for Christ, only things you do for Christ will last. I remember and this was one of those epiphany moments I had listening to a man that had made hundreds of millions of dollars off of music, selling music and picking out artists, Russell Simmons. And he was on a local hip hop station and he Asked the man who got paid to play this music, can you tell me what the top 10 was six months ago? He couldn't. Now, here's a man that played music for a living. Played it for a living. We woke up every day just like we go to punch a clock or sign in a clock in, log into our computers or do whatever we do. He did that playing music. And, and he was talking to a man who had made hundreds of millions of dollars off of music and neither one of them could say what the top 10 was last month uh, or six months ago. That's how quick that stuff changes. They say the news cycle now is 24 hours behind. If you get something yesterday, it's old. I watch on Twitter and Facebook as uh, information comes out. If you know about it 40 minutes later after somebody else, you are made fun of because that's old. That's a repost. We've been past that. We on to the new thing. But even with that, where the music doesn't last and the business leaders doesn't last and countries don't last. 2000 years ago, a man born of a virgin was crucified, died and buried and rose again from the third day. And so that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life that lasts. Jesus is what lasts. Not our jobs, not even our family. Jesus is the only thing that lasts. And he says that that's what we should be working for. And then he points out that not Moses, but God provided it. You know, we have a, a, a tendency to base things based on a pastor, uh, myself included. I would go where the good pastor was, I, not necessarily anything else. And not that I think you should not have a good pastor and a, a good teaching pastor, but Understand that is we look to God for our provision, not our pastors, not our bosses, not anybody else. The provision comes from God and they those people are just a channel that is used. We've seen if God wants to use a donkey 
he will use it to get the point across. It's not just about the person. It's about God just using them as a vessel. And that's why oftentimes preachers are we are given robes to wear. So that we can combat the pride of thinking I speak for the Lord. The Lord can use anybody they want to to speak at any given time in any given place. Because it's about what's being done for God. And that's why it lasts. Not because of any person or anybody's charisma or anything they have to say. It's about what God does. For, it's what, about what God does for them. It's a heavenly bread that sustains. And he, they asked him, what can they do? As they turn to it, it's like, what can they do to, to get involved in these works of the Lord? And he said, believe. But God, if we can only believe, I remember that from the last sermon we preached where it said that you told Jairus, don't don't be discouraged. Only believe. Have faith. I. uh, Keep a journal. And uh, from time to time, when things happen that I'm excited or I'm down, I will write in the journal in order to feel better. And uh, I was feeling a little down. I had gotten some bad news. When I was outside my office in my journal, I keep in my backpack. And so I was going to go back into my office and write because I had had the bad. I had heard the bad news and I was feeling discouraged. But I started thinking to myself about many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord will carry them through and to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up as wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not be fainting. And by the time I got to the office. I didn't even feel bad anymore. I didn't have anything to write it about it because I had to believe that my God is the Alpha and the Omega. And no matter what the situation, they will provide. And it's not necessarily about a job or a boss or a contract or a government entity or anything like that. The Lord provides and the Lord will continue to provide. My God shall supply all my needs according to his rich and glories in Christ Jesus. And that's the bread. That sustains. That's what lasts forever. And I think about this bread. And that's what he said to believe and never go hungry. You come to Jesus, you'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty. You'll constantly get fed. And I think about bread and when I think about bread, I I understand that for starters, (laughs) bread is satisfying. You, you eat the bread and it fills you up. Yes. If you eat too much bread at a restaurant, you're not going to be able to finish your meal. But it's satisfying. It must be consumed. We, we must take on Jesus. We must consume Jesus. We must take him in. That should be our, what we live and breathe. And that's how we get satisfied by getting into Christ Jesus and taking it on and taking him in and his thoughts being our thoughts and being taking on the mind of Christ. And how do we do that? We spend some time in here. You want to know what Jesus is about you. You're in here. You want to know what God is about. You spend some time in here and you spend some time in praying and spend some time developing a a right relationship with him. That is how you consume them. And bread is broken. I don't know about you, but I can't put a whole roll in my mouth. But it has to be broken. And just like bread is broken, Jesus was broken. 
He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we were healed. That is why he went to the cross and was nailed to the cross. That's why he was whipped all night long. That's why he was beaten and mocked and spit on and had to wear a crown of thorns and and beaten with a cat of nine tails because he was broken. But he did it all for us. He did it all for us. And then the bread must be shared. We can't just keep what we've gotten on our own to ourselves. Do we share it with others? How often do we? Now, I'm not saying, although some people are very comfortable with it, uh, going door to door, knocking like Jehovah's Witnesses. But you do need to share. And it may not be just passing out a track or, or a pamphlet about the four spiritual laws. But what kind of life do you lead? People will come up to you based on the life that you lead and say, why is it you're so happy? Why is it you've got this peace about you? And then you can have an opportunity to share them about Jesus. It's not just about packing pews, but getting the word out to Jesus about Jesus. So the bread must be shared. I saw I was uh, I work with several churches and uh, one of the newest churches I'm working with is uh, Clear Lake United Methodist Church. And I was over there at their Saturday service last night and we were out in the parking lot talking with a a musician who's also in the UMC candidacy process. His name's Steve. And Steve and I were talking after the service was over and out in the parking lot and some people walked by. And he was talking and he hold off on the conversation and grabbed a flyer and ran across the parking lot to the people he saw walking down the street. He shared them about the service and talked to them about the service that was going on and shared with them about Christ and shared with them about what was going on and, and, and invited them to come to this Saturday service that's in the community out in Clear Lake. Do we have that kind of enthusiasm about Jesus? I'm not asking people to run around the parking lot, but if you feel led to do what you do. Um, but are you willing to go that far or further? To tell people about Christ. Are you willing to go that far further to share the God of your salvation with somebody else? I liken it to an example of someone gave me of when you become a Christian, you become Superman. But Superman still staying in the booth and he had a uh, uh, painted an image of people flying around in a booth together, bumping into each other. When Superman became Superman, he got out the booth. To go help save the world. He didn't save the world from his booth. He got out and amongst the people. Says go. Matthew 28 says go forth and make disciples. It doesn't say wait on the disciples to come to you. Even Jesus went out to get his own disciples. He didn't wait up in the church and say my Bible says come out from among them. It must be shared. There's a, a rabbi, a Hasidic rabbi by the name of Isaac, Isaac L. Petrus, tells a story. And uh, two things I like about rabbis is, number one, they love to tell good stories. And uh, number two, they, they struggle with the word. They don't look at something that they don't like and just say, oh, that ain't. That ain't for me and move it out. They 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 will sit and wrestle and you get a group of rabbis together. They may struggle on a particular verse all night long, just debating the nuances of it, because the 
the, the scripture is powerful and it is poetic and the art and the allegory and the the, the you, you can get lost in the word and it's a wonderful feeling. And these this rabbi tells a story about a rabbi that had just gotten out of Hebrew school. Genius, top of his class, everything. Everybody knew genius rabbi was going to get a big synagogue and work in a, a mega church synagogue type. It was going to be they just knew that was going to happen because, I mean, that's supposed to be what happens. You get straight A's in seminary. You're supposed to get the big church. Wrong. Um <laughs> But they just knew. And so it came time to graduate and they asked the rabbi where he was going. And he said, yes, I'm going to go to mega synagogue uh, down the street. But before I do that, I'm going to go out into a rough neighborhood and, and help the poor. And uh, so he went out into a rough neighborhood and he walked a little further and went to a rougher neighborhood walked a little further and walked to an even even rougher neighborhood. And he was like, this is where I'm going to start my ministry. This is where I'm going to help people because they obviously don't have anything around here. And then he ran into and he saw a building and it had a Star of David on it. And he's like, surely this is not a synagogue, not in this neighborhood, because if it was in this neighborhood, they'd have been doing a little more. And so he opened the doors and he saw a group of scholars sitting around debating on the word. And he said, where is the chief rabbi? How dare he let this building go to tatters like this? How dare he let this thing go down? Where is he at? I want to talk to him. He's got some explaining to do. And they said, he's not here. Said, okay, well, where is he? Said, we don't know. Uh, He did say, though, that every morning when he wakes up, he goes to heaven. And none of us have had the gall to go to his house and try to find out where he was going. But he said every morning he gets up, he goes to heaven. And we've just been trying to wait for somebody to get up enough courage to go to his house and follow him and see what's going on. And genius rabbi said, I'm your man. Give me his address. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to find out. I'm going to figure out what's going on because this is a travesty. And so he went to the house and he he was there when the rabbi was not there. So he hid under the bed and the rabbi came home and went to bed. And the genius rabbi did not want to fall asleep and miss him waking up. So he would say scriptures to him. He would say scriptures to himself to keep himself awake all night. And that's how, you know, as a story, eight hours straight applying of applying scripture is. Hats off. Salute. (laughs) But uh, he stayed up all night and finally morning came and the chief rabbi of the synagogue in the bad neighborhood woke up, got dressed and went out. And so he followed the rabbi far enough behind him so he didn't know that he was being followed, but just enough so he could still see what he was doing. And this chief rabbi went into the woods and chopped down some trees and put them in his satchel and put the wood in the satchel. And then he took another bag with him as he left the house. And so he had two bags and he went to a neighborhood even rougher than the neighborhood that this synagogue was in. And he knocked on the door 
a little boy came and answered. Who is it? I don't have any money. You can't do this. I'm, I'm, I don't have any money. There's nothing here for you to take. Can you please just leave me alone? It was a little boy whose parents were no longer with him. And he was living in his house all by himself. He said, I'm here to help, son. He said, I don't have any money. He said, I don't want your money. I, I'm, I'm here to help you, son. He's like, look, I don't have any money. He's like, look, I have some firewood. I just want to give it to you. Um, I know you're cold. And he said, I don't have any matches, even if I was going to take this firewood, Mr. Man. But he said, I have matches for you. He said, well, I don't have anything to cook. I don't have anything to eat and I don't have any money. He said, I don't want your money. I brought you some food. And I just want to give it to you. And so finally, the little boy opened the door and the, the genius rabbi came up and looked in the window and he saw that this boy who had been starving and cold and didn't trust anybody was given the opportunity to eat and be warmed and laugh again and trust again. And this went on for days. And this rabbi had helped this young man go from being an orphan that probably would have froze to death on his own to being well fed and made whole again. And so the rabbi, the chief of the genius rabbi, left that house and went back to the, the synagogue where they were waiting for him. You've been gone for a long time. Tell me, did the rabbi go to heaven? Did he go to heaven? And the genius rabbi thought about it for a second and said, no, he didn't go to heaven. He went someplace higher. Mm -hmm. 